I got it. I got it. Okay. Okay. Welcome to Ruin My Life, the podcast about forcing your friends to like the things that you like. I'm Kelsey Goldman. And I'm Jason Edwards. How you doing tonight, Jason? Doing pretty good, Kelsey. You know what it is? What is it? It's the holiday season. Oh, and you know what that means. Ruin My Life had to come back. Uh, it's, it's our glorious return, uh, the fifth one this year. I mean, uh, we actually back released more again. episodes this year than I thought we did. I think we did pretty good, all things. Normally at the holidays, for our holiday episode, we do an exchange of gifts, and we try to ruin each other's lives with something that um, makes the holidays the holidays for us, you know? Um, this year, we're going to give you two episodes. One, one for each of us ruining the other's life. So here um, um, on released on christmas day believe it or not <laughs> <laughs> is our uh episode on um the amazing um, i don't want to say fictional because it's not fictional really <laughs> holiday created <laughs> by one seth cohen chrismica and so on this this holiday season kelsey you've brought to me the gift of chrismica the gift of chrismica and what a gift a hol- it is a holiday invented by one Seth Cohen. Seth Cohen, yes. From from the television show The OC. It's true. Which I have never seen before. Not true. That's a lie. I'm, I'm already lying. <laughs> uh, which you're not supposed to do at Christmas. Uh, yeah, so The OC, my background. I have only seen the first episode. I watched it when it premiered in 2003. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I half watched it. I don't know what I was doing because cell phones weren't really a thing i wasn't like on twitter or anything so i assume i was playing something i was playing like wario land 2 on my game boy while i was playing on my basement tv at my parents house um but aside from that i have not had any exposure to the oc aside from the the you know the what you say meme from uh you know many years past uh until now until you presented me with this uh this, this beautiful holiday gift true so every is it's and stop me if i get anything wrong here but every year this little show called The O.C. did an episode about Chrismica. Yes. So to uh, catch up any of our listeners that maybe were not watching The O.C. in 2003 to 2007, like I was, um, <laughs> as like The O.C. is one of the things that I remember watching like weekly, which like I don't remember watching a lot of things weekly and like talking about it with people the next day at school. But The O.C. is one of the things I remember watching weekly. Um. The, the premise of the OC is generally like this kid from the wrong side of the tracks, quote unquote, um, <laughs> gets um, basically adopted, taken in by this rich family in Newport Beach in Orange County. That is the titular OC. Um, and it's not really like, I mean, that, that whole story is part of it, him becoming a part of their family and stuff. That's like my favorite part of it. But really, it's it's a, a greater narrative device to just get you into the world of these rich people in Newport Beach. It's not yeah. really about, um, you know, Ryan, that character, and and him, like, acclimating to this life so much as it's about, like, all the drama that happens with rich people. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a fish-out-of-water story in, in as much that, like, to set up the idea that there's a character who does not know what's going on and needs to be ex- have things explained to him. Um, <laughs> like, like yeah, like, the, the focus on... There's no focus on, like, class or, like, the tension between where Ryan is from and where he's living now. Uh, which is fine. This is a primetime soap. Those have existed for decades and decades, and you know they're not illegitimate. But you know it is like he is like the, the like the whitest, most waspy, like sandy haired, chiseled looking dude who gets adopted by this like wealthy Jewish family, and and even <laughs> and like everyone in this this uh, California community is, from what I can see, completely white. And and, and granted, most there's supposed to be he, they go to a private school, right? Like he like Ryan is and brought into this private school so it's 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 explainable but you know if you made this show today you would have i mean you couldn't make a show like this that, that like that have it actually address real issues but if you wanted to give like sort of a appearance of you know uh, acknowledgement at least of like racial and class realities 
Ryan would probably be a Latino young man. Yeah, for sure. For Although, sure. Even that would be more than this than this show could actually withstand, at least in its original form. Yeah, there's like sort of a, a narrative about like being like this idea of being like white trash or whatever. Um, which is, you know, not really the 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 narrative that would, you know, is that worth exploring because like Julie uh, Cooper, Marissa's mom, is also like from the same area that Ryan is from. It's like a whole yeah. We 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 should say that this 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 show you know we, I like I said I've never ever really watched it. Sarah, uh, we watched the first episode together. The, the first Christmas episode, yeah. Sorry, the first Christmas episode. Yeah. I watched the, the second episode, the second season Christmas episode, and the third season Christmas episode on my own. Uh, but the, the biggest thing about this show for me is finding out where all these people came from. Because I knew I know who Rachel Bilson is. I know who Misha Barton is. I even know who Ben McKenzie is, right? Yeah. But I, I didn't know where they came from. Yeah. And watching this show is like, oh, okay. That that was my favorite part of watching uh, that that episode with you was like, oh, this is where Rachel Bilson came from. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. This is this is where she's from. Um, A similar thing happened like five years later with Gossip Girl, uh, which is developed by the, created by the same guy, right? Mm-hmm. The Gossip Girl is a similar thing. Where all of a sudden there were these people in the zeitgeist and like appearing in movies and stuff, where people was like, we're, like it was I was expected to know who they were, and I just didn't. Uh, so it was nice to go back to the source of Misha Barton's fitful uh, adult career. Um, I say adult because she previously appeared like as a child actor and stuff like The Sixth Sense. But I was not familiar with her, and I still am not really. I don't know that she's done all that much since the OC, to be quite honest. Yeah, mostly. I mean, even Ben McKenzie, like ostensibly the lead character of this show, uh, has only really done Gotham. Yeah, that's, anyway. that that is really all he's done since then. I would say that like the breakout star of the show is probably Adam Brody. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll talk about Seth Cohen a little bit. I would like to anyway. Yeah. Uh, so can you can. Can you break down the the invention of Christmaka in the show and what that means to you, Kelsey? Yeah, so I I wanted you to watch this because I I did watch this entire series as as a teenager, and um it was like Christmaka specifically was one of the times where like I really felt seen in mainstream media. Um, <laughs> Seth Cohen, who is one of the protagonists of the show, is a you know uh, a nerdy teenager, very outcast at his private school. Um, for being that way he has a jewish father and a christian mother which i also did um although my mom would uh uh be mad at me if i didn't say she has papers she did convert to judaism to marry my father but um they got divorced when i was four years old and we always had christmas in my house you know so we always had christmas and hanukkah and i was a patrilineal jew which in the jewish faith is sometimes considered not as jewish as um if you are a Jew through your mother's side. Um, so with Seth Cohen, it was like, you know, his dad was Jewish. His mom was Christian. He lived in this dual faith household. He went to this private school. He was very nerdy and he didn't have a lot of friends. Seth Co- I felt very seen through Seth Cohen, <laughs> you know? Um, and that was, you know, what I what I connected to through this show very much so. And like, you know, he liked like indie music and, you know, and comic books and um, made that sort of thing cool, like outside the show, even if it wasn't cool on the show. <laughs> um, and he invented this holiday for himself and his family, Chrismica, um, which was, you know, obviously the, the mashing together of Christmas and Hanukkah. Um, and... It's, you know, the holiday sensation that's sweeping the nation, obviously, <laughs> because you get eight, di- you know, seven days of presents and then one day of lots of presents. It's great. <laughs> um, and it just like sort of gave this voice and image to sort of culture reform Judaism <laughs> in a way that uh, I hadn't really seen before. Um, and that was... Um, just really really nice for someone like me who a lot of times like I didn't really experience this growing up like in in high school when I was watching this show um but in college I had this very specific experience of like not feeling Jewish enough um and that I went to college with a lot of like Atlantic Coast like New Jersey Philadelphia Jews who were like 
you know, Jewish on both sides and like kept kosher and all this stuff. And like, I had a lot of feelings of like not feeling Jewish enough. So seeing myself represented in, in media as Jewish, it was very um, like comforting in a way for me. And, and Seth Cohen himself, like in a lot of other ways was very, um, uh, made me feel seen as I also went to a very fancy private school and, you know, felt very out of place at times there. Um, uh, so this, this sort of holiday and this sort of, um, acknowledgement of this, this sort of life experience on network TV was like very important to me in a way that I didn't really understand until later in life, you know? Thank you for, for that very personal and revealing look inside your own mental process and your experience growing up. And now that you've established that, I think we can probably just sort of go through this in whatever order we want. Probably, yeah. And now that you've established that very strong baseline for us, I just want to I want to talk about Seth Cohen for a second. Mm-hmm. Because my experience was obviously, maybe not so obviously, I assume obviously, different from yours in that regard. Uh, I went to a public school. Mm-hmm. No no sort of, uh, you know, no Jewish heritage whatsoever. You are a no, wasp, no Judaism. Yes. I, you know, I suppose so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't come from wasp stock, though, is the thing. No, like, you're, my, you're my like, is, your, your family is what my mom's family is, which is very, like, Appalachian hill, American. Hill, hill people. people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> which are technically but, but, uh, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, but not in the way that they are referred to in this show. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's technically <laughs> accurate to say wasp, but, you know, wasp sort of conjures up an image of, like, you know, thin like prim people with like nice sweaters like yeah. standing in like brightly lit rooms not 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 the, you know, the not the the appalachian americans <laughs> not not the hillbilly elegy that was my birthright <laughs> same um but but so seth cohen is the character that existed like in the in my it was this show was very popular when i was in high school right mm-hmm. so uh but i wasn't watching it except for as i said the very first episode which you know obviously did not make an impression on me but seeing it now and knowing that so many people, particularly girls I went to high school with, were watching this show, uh, I really, I feel like Seth Cohen really kind of like uh, uh, ruined an entire generation of women in a way. You think? Uh, not, not, not. I, fully. I can totally, I can totally see where you're coming from, but I want to hear but you expand on it. In terms of their uh, expectations of of what their like partners, like you know, male partners, should they choose to pursue those, would be like. Uh, because you described Seth Cohen as very nerdy. Mm-hmm. In the world of the show, I understand he is meant to be that way. But he's not, but, actually. He's actually very cool. Like, he's a hipster, no. basically. He's very cool. He's enthusiastic. And he's direct and sincere about what he likes. Yeah. And very... Uh, the thing is, he's charismatic. Yes. He is the... Uh, this is in my notes over and over again that that, uh, that Adam Brody is, like, the, by, far and away the most charismatic performer in the show. Like, in like without question. A hundred percent. like, there's... My view on this shifts as I watch like multiple episodes, but he is like from the get go running circles around everybody else. He's playing in a whole different league. It's it's really funny because he he came to this show from Gilmore Girls. Oh, um, he okay. was uh he played this character Dave Rogalski on Gilmore Girls, who was a love interest for Lane Kiko Jenna's character. Um, and I don't know what any of that means. But it's, okay. I mean, some people listening will. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's also like it's a similar like very nerdy but cool character you know like he's he's like an outsider but like in a cool way um he's like in a band and and that sort of thing (laughs) um and i i actually think that the the world of gilmore girls is much more suited to adam brody because of how like quick-witted that whole world is Mm -hmm. and how charismatic so many of those actors were um in that like he does sort of steal the show here um and i totally agree with you that he is the by like far and away the most charismatic actor on the show. I think I think Peter Gallagher is not given enough to do really, but like you know he has. I mean, no, no, you're right. You're you're 100 right about all this. I just yeah. I also have in my notes that I am like the. And again, we're jumping around now, which is how we're going to do it from this point on. So buckle up. Uh, <laughs> especially in season two, the Christmas episode, which focuses like opens on uh, uh, Peter Gallagher's character meeting with his father-in-law. Who is played by Charles Woodmore from Lost? His father-in-law is uh, Alan Dale. Yeah, Charles Woodmore. Oh, I didn't know that was the character's name. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. bad. Uh, but it's like, I, I, my first thought was like, having watched the first episode, the first Crispic episode, uh, I am like shocked. Truly, I'm truly like shocked at how much time in the show is devoted to Peter Gallagher's character, because I this is a show that I like. like 
I don't know if like and there's like and the, the adults in general get a lot of time for like their interpersonal drama, which is shocking to me because I, I didn't I didn't like, is this supposed to be like a cross generational appeal thing or are 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 teens like the viewers of the show supposed to be interested in like his life as a defendant defender or like the most horrifying possibility is this show meant for adults? I think. I think the thing is like I because I've been rewatching I as I watched all four of the Christmas episodes but then I started rewatching it from the pilot because I just like I, it it made something feel warm inside me and I was like I need to just start this over and and uh, uh, just bask in this nostalgia a little bit because like we're talking about this before like the show is not actually about like Ryan Atwood, the the character who the premise is centered around, right? It, he is just the entree character into this world, right? And I think that's the whole thing is that the the adults, like the amount of time that is centered on the adults and their issues is so much more than you expect it to be. Because it is a teen drama, right? It's like billed as this teen drama, but it's very much like centered around this this sort of town and this um this this world that you are entering into and so much of that is about the adults and i'm just like i don't care that much <laughs> but yeah sorry going back to, to seth cohen yeah uh like there in, in my teenage life in my like social world there were like the kids in high school who were the you know sort of the what you would typically classify as like the popular kids like sports stars and just like you know conventionally attractive people who were like the you know that group of people although in my understanding of the world at least at that point they were sort of just their own separate little group it wasn't like a they were above us in any way so there was that right but then in my like social actual social group there were like some kids who were just part of the the citywide scene who were like the, the sort of the cool kids and now that i've seen the oc i understand completely why so many girls i knew were obsessed with these guys because they were like adam brody conventionally attractive and very charming very charismatic but had the sort of like but because they they had interests they were sort of like nerdy and like alternative but like they're just like you know they like were into music they were in bands they like yeah. knew people in bands they were plugged in socially which like the defining aspect of being a, a, a nerd as it's traditionally defined is obsessive interests that like define your life but seth cohen is like a very like like, like he's very social and sociable and very like i don't think he's popular but he's clearly like a cool sexy fun guy and it's like the idea that that would be attached to what being a nerd is is like and i'm not saying like you know it's not like nerd rights nerds need to be no, no i don't give a shit about that but it is true that what a nerd was before like this show was something completely different and seth cohen it, it's it's a I mean, I, again, I'm not trying to say this is equitable in any way, but it's like how uh, when when Beyonce became a sex symbol in America, right? There was this there was this sort of idea like, oh, now it's you know more acceptable for women to have big big butts or like wide hips, that sort of thing, right? Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't that all of a sudden you know women actually like, you know could, women's bodies were any less policed or more like you know acceptable. It was just that women had more standards they had to live up to. It's like now you had to be completely slim and like you know have a certain bust size and be like have a certain waist size but also you're like you know you had to have a certain like you know your lower body had to fit a certain standard now too it's like that <laughs> again that's not, not like that but it's it's kind of like that and the the, the the definition for what was like an acceptable like kind of attractive to be like ex like I don't know. <laughs> do, you, do you understand what I'm trying to say at no, all? Yeah, I feel like no, I'm talking I, I, like, gibberish I, I right now. I think it's like it, it, you're trying to say sort of like Seth Cohen made that sort of like a, a standard that you had to live up to as as like a, a guy. Because <laughs> yeah, my first thought was like, oh, if I'd been single in college after the show came out, because you know, I was dating Sarah in college, mm -hmm. like, oh man, I could have really, I could, this could have really played to my advantage if I'd been playing well, the field. Well, that's the thing is like, I but, think but then I was like, well, no, no, it couldn't have because I was like a genuine like fucking weirdo. The thing is, like, I I actually think, I was like thinking about you a lot as I've been rewatching this. I was like, I bet, I kind of think this is what early early series seth cohen is what jason was like right yeah but but the, the real version of that the real like, the real life version of that but like it's also like in in early in the series because i think by the time you get to the first christmas episode like the whole thing is that ryan comes in and he like sort of socializes seth 
in that mm-hmm. like makes him more like palatable in a way. <laughs> um, like early Seth Cohen has no friends, hates going out, is very into comic books, like doesn't really talk to people, obsesses over Summer, but doesn't ever talk to her. And it's like, it's actually kind of creepy. In, and mm-hmm. like I've been rewatching, I was like, oh no, Seth is like creepy. Like, <laughs> like it's like, like parts of it are cute, but like actually it's kind of creepy. <laughs> um, <laughs> And like that's the whole thing is that like he like he actually like the way you meet him I think like other than him being conventionally attractive because he is, um, like he is kind of like weird you know, mm-hmm. um, and like the whole idea is that like Ryan like meeting this like you know waspy generally like guy who is okay with social skills like sort of socializes him and gives him a friend in a way that is like um, makes him more palatable. Um, but by the time you're in like season two, he's just a, like a cool guy that like, yeah. that you're just like, oh no, he just has interests and that's not like weird. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he's like verbose and he's intense, Yeah, which are, I think two things that I can say apply to me. For sure. But he's like, the other problem is, is that my Ryan was Morgan <laughs> and Mo- and Morgan, you know, God bless him, a fucking maniac, just like me. Like it's like a, like you know Mo- Morgan was more socially skilled than I was by a by a wide margin, right? But it like you know it wasn't like he was sort of the traditional uh, model of like standard default protagonist that Ryan is. Yeah. But there were the thing was there were these there were these two guys that we knew in high school. And if Morgan's listening to this right now, he knows what I'm talking about, and no one else does. And I'm sorry about that. But these two guys that were like, I always thought like these guys are like me and Morgan, but popular. What's the difference? And the difference is they were like ryan and us and um seth two attractive guys who had sort of the vibe of being like oh you know nerdy and like different and weird but actually were just like good looking guys who again knew people who were in bands yeah i think that's like that's the thing is like because i feel like if you had watched this in high school you probably would have identified with seth in a in a big way for sure um but I, but I think the show also encourages you to do that because, again, he's the most likable person on the show. He is by far the most likable person on the yeah. show. And even when he, like, in, like, hindsight, like, I've been rewatching it, is, like, kind of like, oh, that's creepy. He even kind of, like, pulls back and is like, he knows it's kind of creepy. Like, he's self-aware. Like, the character is self-aware in a way that a lot of the other characters aren't as well. But, like, you know. For me, that was, like, a big deal. And I think in the 2020 version of the OC, Seth Cohen is a girl. Like, because, like, I do not identify with any of the female characters on the show at all. Because they're all, like, skinny, pretty popular, (laughs) like, women who I have never been in my entire life. (laughs) Um, And, like, the thing is, one of the things I do love about the show like that I loved about it as a as a teenager was the development of Seth and Summer's relationship is like just finding out that Summer is just as weird as Seth is and and like that sort of being revealed and she's you know she has this facade of like you know general popular girl but like by the time you get to season four it's like she's she's weird as shit and she's actually very smart and like I loved that about it. Although rewatching it, my actual, like the thing I think I actually liked about the show was sort of the found family, like Ryan becoming part of this, the Coen's family is actually the, the core of the story that I really enjoy, you know? But I think what's great, what's great about the format of like the, the, the primetime soap like this is that it has enough different things going on that you could like, there was enough of anything you wanted to focus on that you could enjoy. Right. Like, you could find the, uh, you know, there was always a character or a plotline that you could, like, latch onto. And, like, that was compelling enough. Because the show is, like, compellingly produced, right? So you always had someone you could lock into and, like, follow along with them. And I think that's, you know, this is a, a bigger conversation than, than this episode. But that's, that form of storytelling is kind of going away. And we had it for a while again with Game of Thrones. Which had, like again, sort of, like, a, such a wide array of characters who are all going through different stuff that you could, like... Even if you didn't give a shit about anyone else, if you liked Tyrion enough, you could just follow Tyrion's journey and be satisfied by that. Yeah, it's really interesting that that is like something that's kind of going away because, you know, the the primetime soap is like such a like I feel like such a staple of like our generation. Um, like I feel like so many of the things I liked watching were, um, you know, like Veronica Mars is you know ostensibly about Veronica, but like it's very much the same format, you know, it's about, mm-hmm. um, these rich people in this world and all of the shit that, that they cause that goes down and, and 
I'm being rich is shitty. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, I think, I think the OC is really very much one of those things that is, is like just the defining example of this primetime soap of this era, you know, because, you know, I, as a kid, I definitely was all about Seth's story and his, his journey and I think I'm you know as I'm rewatching it I'm still very much about that but I'm also a lot about a lot more about Ryan's journey than I was but I'm still rewatching them it's like I don't give a shit about the Coopers like I don't give a shit that like Jimmy embezzled a shitload of money like he doesn't deserve <laughs> doesn't deserve like redemption that he gets and it's so dumb but it's you know and and I think one of the things, and if we're going to go back to the Christmaka episodes, watching these, it's like, there's so many, like, bit characters that you have to keep up with. Like, they add in, they, they bring in these characters, right, for, like, a, you know, storyline purposes. You have your main, your main group, but then there's all these, like, recurring characters who, like, contribute to the storyline and, and then go away once their, once their narrative arc is done. Um, and that's not something we get on shows a lot now, I don't think. I mean, I, I just think the way we consume television is so different right now than it was in 2003. <laughs> but um, Yeah, I mean, and part of the reason why Game of Thrones is like sort of the reference point to that for me is that that was like one of the last times we're all going to have a big show we all watch together. And then the idea of like the show like that being like that was that as, you wanted to get as many people as possible watching it, right? Mm-hmm. So you had to like have something in there to appeal to multiple different like audiences which is why you needed to have and because it was like beholden to traditional uh, models of viewership or subscribers in hbo's case whereas now like i think of like the one big like omniculture show i know that like lots of people watch is the mandalorian which i guess is also kind of like hbo and it's like subscriber based but streaming like streaming numbers are so different and like frankly fucking made up compared to like even HBO's numbers, like last year with when, when Game of Thrones is still going, that I think you don't need to try to appeal to people in the same way. Because we're, we're not all getting together at the same time to watch it. We're all watching it whenever we want. Or watching like any, any of the other like hundreds of things available on Disney Plus at any given moment. So you don't need to try to appeal to that many people with the plot lines. Yeah, I, I don't feel like it's as, as much of a... Um... like a cultural zeitgeist thing like I you know like I know that it's on but it's not permeating literally everything the way that Game of Thrones was Mm -hmm. um you still have like I guess Stranger Things but that's not really the same thing at all and that's still like we all watch it like sort of when we want to you know yeah and and the the fucking the worst part it all comes out at once I hate that shit so much because the thing about these sort of shows is that the week-to-week build-up and like that sort of tension and like you know, the the, the get the you know the the forced wait time is built into the narrative. Yeah, and we well, don't have that anymore. So it's like the the that's one good thing about the Mandalorian is that it does come out weekly. Yeah, go on. The uh, if we're talking about the OC, the the second season Chrismica episode, I believe it is, um, is like the culmination of like a bunch of storylines, right? Like there's a bunch of stuff being revealed, and you can, you know, at that when I you get the previously on, and you're like, oh shit, like stuff's gonna go down <laughs> this episode. <laughs> what's great? What's great is the previously ons for the OC locations have like a half second shot of someone getting hit by a car, and it's like, well, who is that? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I I I like that the se- the second season Crispic episode. Um, I think it's I mean, obviously it doesn't have the same payoff for me or impact for me even, but I like the idea of having the Christmas episode, the holiday episode, being this culmination of this like what I assume is like a long simmering plotline about uh, this this girl's uh, parentage. And I'm sorry, I, again, I don't really have a good handle on who the characters are. Lindsay. Lindsay, right? Yeah. Uh, and again, because I've only watched like you know I watched about three episodes each a year apart. Yeah. So it's kind of like. <laughs> hard for me to get a handle on it uh-huh. but i like the idea of that because it really gives like because if you're going to do a holiday episode you want to make it memorable in some way and if you if you're a soap show you can't really do a one-off like adventure like a sort of a christmas themed thing so putting a bunch putting like a, a payoff for a major plot line and tying it to this holiday celebration and the ethos of the holiday in general 
is I think very smart. Well, and it feels really like real, right? Because like the uh, the holiday celebration becomes like this really fraught familial drama, which is like super accurate, <laughs> I think, to most holidays. <laughs> Can I run down um, as, just in three the notes? in the words of uh, Carly Rae Jepsen? It's not Christmas till somebody cries. <laughs> True dad. Can I run down just like three notes I, I made during the second season episode? Please. Uh, first one is that when they're all getting ready for the Christmas party, I, I asked, uh, why are Ryan and Seth both dressing for this party like they're 40 years old? Uh, why is Sandy Cohen dressed like the Green Goblin? <laughs> <laughs> when the teens are all together playing PlayStation, they are holding the controllers correctly, which I respect. Because in this era, many shows, many shows that are better than the OC did not handle that right. So I, I respect that. Uh, and also, when Lindsay finds out who her dad is, it's it's like... <laughs> I, I, all, what I wrote was like, holy shit, they should not have told Lindsay that in front of all of her friends and family. And like, <laughs> right? I get, I, get, I get that stage that way for maximum dramatic impact. And like, that's fine. I, I'm not against that. But like, on a personal level, like... Widmore or uh, Cal, I guess is his name in the show. Yeah. Calvin. Caleb. Is. K- K- oh, fuck that. Cal- <laughs> Widmore should have been like, no, we're going to speak in private. Because he says like we should talk in private. And someone else is like, no, you should say it now. And it's like, no, put your foot down, dude. You're an adult. <laughs> this is a situation that she should not deal with in front of all of her friends. Go to another fucking room. You maniacs. You fucking maniacs. <laughs> um, no, I, I just, like, I do appreciate that it is the, the culmination of all these storylines. And the thing that fucked me up about it when I was watching it is, like, because even with, like, these sort of, like, soapy dramas that we get now, like, and I don't, like, miss this necessarily, but, like, how much plot there is between, the, like, how many episodes general and how much plot there is between Chrismica uh, season one and Chrismica season two is crazy, right? Like, like Seth and Summer aren't even together in Chrismica season one. They've been together and broken up by Chrismica season two. <laughs> and so have like, uh, and, and Ryan and Marissa are also broken up by then, I believe. Um, like the, this, this, the first season of the show was like 24 episodes. 24 45 minute episodes like the just the amount of content is something we don't get anymore <laughs> because now every every season of tv is like thought of as one long movie or not everyone but like many people use that that terminology and it's like and it makes sense because if you're releasing it all at once it basically is one long movie but movies aren't supposed to be 10 hours long <laughs> unless they're like you know Showa, like about the, like the most horrifying and heavy subject matter you can think of. Fucking, fucking Daredevil doesn't need to be thirteen hours long. You know, the only <laughs> six-hour-plus movie I want to see is OJ Made in America. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, the Snyder Cut of the, of the Justice League. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also wrote down that because again, I have trouble keeping everyone apart and figuring out who everyone is. That's and how fine. They all know it's, each it's other. confusing. I think it'd be easier if all the women didn't have the same like set of basic ass white lady names. It's all like Marissa, Summer, Julie, Jamie, June, uh, uh, you know, fucking, I don't even know. It's all, I can't keep, and they're all like, you know, thin white ladies living in California. I mean, everyone's The same two or three hairstyles. There's no fat people on this show. Everyone's thin. There's no fat people on television, really, which is, you know, a whole other thing that I have to deal with. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I got what, what you know, Cal, uh, Whit, Charles Whitmore or Cal, I guess is his name is uh, Caleb, episode, Caleb he, Nickel, technically on this Caleb, show. Okay. Caleb Nickel, uh, yeah. I kind of I, I, he grew on me by the end of this episode because he's like because in the first Christmas episode he's kind of very much just an evil like father figure who's just this like towering like dark evil guy. Mm-hmm. But this one he's kind of like you know he's speaking to his current wife or current relationship. I don't know if they're married, and he's very like self-aware and kind of regretful about what he's done and sort of you know approaches things with a pretty uh, a, pr- a pretty reasonable point of view and to the point where i was like kind of shocked and upset in the season three christmas episode where you find out oh wait he died yeah he's dead <laughs> <laughs> what ha- what happened to him honestly i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> 
mean, it doesn't really matter at that it point. Do, yeah, no, it doesn't really matter because because the thing is, like, I've I'm like I said, I'm rewatching it, and I just watched an episode where we meet Caleb for the first time. Um, and he's with like a young, like 24 year old model, basically, you know, cause he's like a rich older dude, like whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then by the time we're at Christmas, like he's with Julie, I think. Um, uh, and that's like, it's not even that many episodes later. I'm just like, oh my God, so much has happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, like I think the way that I look at the 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 like adult plot lines of the show as as an adult, like as as a thirty one year old person, yeah. is so different than the way I looked at it as a kid, um, because like the the Jimmy stuff, the Marissa's dad, Jimmy Cooper, like his whole plot line for like the first uh like you know ten or so episodes is that like he's like a financial manager and he like lost a sh- like four million dollars or something in the stock market and he like basically borrowed from his clients to 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 pay his own debts and embezzled a bunch of money you had to be really really fucking stupid to lose that much money in the stock market in 2003 right um (laughs) and and like i remember like you know he's a very like charismatic guy in the show and i'm just like oh no he's a fucking idiot and he doesn't deserve (laughs) redemption like all these rich people are they suck so much (laughs) when you when you have when you have that many episodes per season and you have those characters, you, you eventually have to redeem everybody at some point, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Even Cal has to become, like, you know, somewhat likable because you're spending time with him every week. Mm-hmm. So you have to, like, get used to him on some level. It's not like a show like, you know, me and Sarah and I are watching The Sopranos right now. Like, you know, Tony Soprano or the, any number of people in that show are legitimately, like, fucking villainous and awful. But because it's only, like, 13 episodes uh, per season and because the way the show is structured... You don't need to, like, think they're good, really, to, like, watch the show. Whereas this sort of programming, again, not to say it's worse or better, it's just different. You have to eventually like everyone at least enough to, to like, tune in every week. Um. Yeah, like, you have to, like, you have to want, you have to want, like, a happy ending for everybody at some point, basically. But I think, but I, I actually really enjoyed watching the Chrismica specific episodes of this um, for the, the, the reasons I outlined about, you know, being Jewish and feeling seen and all that, that shit. Um, the invention of the Yama Claws in the second season is just like so beautiful. <laughs> like I just felt the way that Seth felt when Ryan's like, no, I couldn't uninvite her. She did this. <laughs> and, and Seth was like, okay, yeah, fair. <laughs> um and um uh just like the 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 way that he keeps the holiday that he invented in his head is just really really nice um but i also think that these these the three episodes you watch give a really good like feeling of what the what the show is you know i'm trying to remember what the third season the third season Christmas episode is the the the, the Christmas uh, bat mitzvah. Oh, the Christmas the Christmas bar mitzvah. Yes, yeah, that's the, the one with Johnny, right? Spell that's, that. Yeah, yeah. So that one that one's probably the worst one, probably. But well, I like the idea of Ryan getting bar mitzvahed. Here's the thing: I kind of my arc, my personal arc, after watching these three episodes was like in the first episode. You know, you watched with me. I was very confused and overwhelmed by these characters and their relationships. But you're feeling their good. Hair. Their hair was all terrible. Yeah, I mean, I it was good. 2003. Their, their <laughs> hair was awful. Their clothes were terrible. And I didn't know what the fuck was going on. By the third season Christmas episode, I had gotten enough into the show that whenever we turn our attention to the character of Johnny, who was introduced like five episodes into season three and then, spoiler alert, dies ten episodes later, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is Bring, he here? Get, get back to Marissa and Summer. I want to see what Ryan and Seth are up to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's just me getting a feel of the landscape or if it's, like, the writers and the actors have sort of gotten on board with each other more in the intervening years. But I was really feeling like, or maybe because, like, the four main teens are all dating each other at this point. Yeah. Not literally. That would have been a much more interesting show. Well, like that, but... well uh, oh, oh, like, polyamory? Yes, that would yeah, be much is, more is, interesting. Is, is, is there a polyamorous relationship in the show? That no, um, Rachel Bilson and Adam Brody were dating in real life at one point. Okay, yeah. that's that that makes that that sounds right. Yeah. That was a, that's a yeah, yeah. Um, but the the four the two couples are together at this point. I don't know if it was that or what it was, but I was like really feeling like the interplay between 
everyone in the show, like all the different like characters bouncing off each other and doing their whole thing, and the the mix of of the comedy and like the really how the really like high stakes drama of the show was really working for me. But I was like, who the fuck is this? Like black hole of charisma, Johnny who loves <laughs> surfing and loves watching videos of himself surf, but like has a knee injury, like he's a man in his forties. Like I know he was the guy who got hit by the car in that like half second shot, but like yeah. I, like the thing is, I'd come around enough to the show that I could like appreciate what the show was and what they were doing and why they brought on the Johnny character for that like ten episode run to create to generate drama for the existing characters we know because he is a disposable character, which is why he dies uh, shortly after this episode but he but he in this episode he creates this 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 drama for ryan that, that for ryan is actually pretty like, i like it i like that ryan shows up and is like hey don't don't rob the store man don't fucking do this be like take it from me let the let the rich people help you which is a funny moral uh by the way but in the moment makes sense for these two characters yeah right? like it's, it's it's weird in the in the moment but like i mean it kind of like is one of the things like it's like no like you know I, I take the handout like it's like it's you know they have money fucking take it <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, like, it's like sort of like you could never i don't even think now you could like not the tv now is class conscious but you couldn't a moral like that i think would probably not get through today oh no but and and, and it doesn't and again like it's not really applicable to a society uh, scale type thing but uh in the episode itself with between these two characters it makes you're like yeah listen to him man just take the fucking hand out. Don't get yourself killed because you don't want someone else to pay for your fucking... You already got screwed over by the insurance company, right? You're not, like, you already, like, someone already put you in the situation to begin with, and now I'm getting... <laughs> well, it's like here that, I go, that, here that I go getting been, political again. That would have been the story in 2020, right? It would have been, like, him getting screwed over by the insurance company, right? Yeah, it wouldn't well, have been, yeah. like, you know, the rich people helping him. But, but, yeah, no, I mean, you know, a TV show, like, this level of TV show today would not have a, a, you know, would not be able to acknowledge that, um, you know, the American healthcare system is broken the way it is. Uh, it, but, but it's funny because, like, almost incidentally, this show gets that reality more directly than the show nowadays would, I think, almost. Because it's not, like, the moral of, it's not the focus at any point, but he did get screwed over. Like, his his mom's insurance should pay for this, but they're just not. Um... But, yeah, so I, 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 I like this episode a lot, actually. So it's kind of, I understand why it might be the least uh, the least good of the three that I watched. But I was, you know, maybe it just took me a while to get on board, but I was feeling it. Well, I and, think you know, it I is. Say, going through my notes again, I got to shout out Herkel the Jewish Clown. I got to shout out DJ Hornsteinberger. There were so um, many good, there were so many good, like, uh, bar mitzvah, uh, feel shouts in that, in that episode. Uh, oh, like, I was going to ask you, is, the, the, uh, he, the, he, the, there's a running gag in this episode about that's what friends are for, being a bar mitzvah staple. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Keep smiling. <laughs> I'll be on your side forever. <laughs> And I just you feel so bad for Seth, for thirteen year old Seth, whose family his friend who had no friends. That fucking that scene where he's watching the the video is so funny on every level. It's so good. Like they brought back in in the video footage, they brought back Peter Gallagher's awful season one hair where it's like combed down over uh-huh. his forehead for some fucking reason. Uh the, the little actor they have playing young Seth is doing a great Adam Adam uh Adam Brody mm-hmm. impression. And when and when like in the back in the like the present day when the when Seth calls Ryan Portnoy as he's like studying up on his like apartment stuff, it's really funny. Like yeah. a legitimate, legitimate LOL. Yeah. That. Yeah. There, there's like the, the, I feel like the Jewish moments in this show are so legitimately funny. Um, there's, uh, I don't remember if it's in one of the episodes you watched or if it's in the season four episode or like one of the episodes I've watched in the intervening time. Um, <laughs> Ryan says something about um I think it's in I think it's in the season three episodes like maybe they'll canonize me like as a saint and uh and Seth says we don't have saints just good stand-up comics and I'm yeah. just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all the all the Jewish like the the Jewish shouts in in this show are so good and funny and and it just makes you yeah. feel like really seen and really wonderful and I'm just I, like I need more like Jewish content on the <laughs> 
in the world. I, I, I enjoyed um, I enjoyed them bringing back the Oi Humbug thing from the second Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. And, like, they really, like, by season three, they've really committed to the Christmas thing as, like, a recurring bit, like, fully. Fully, yeah. And they're, like, they're, like bringing back stuff. Like, like again, I, I haven't watched, like, 99% of the show, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm getting callbacks in this episode because they are calling back directly to the previous Christmas episode. Yeah. The show is Jewish in a way that is, like, so palatable for Gentiles, but it's also, like, so... It's Jewish. It, it's the recognition of, like, a cultural Judaism in a way that a lot of, like, media doesn't recognize it, which I think is why I like it so much, because I think Judaism for me is, like, it is a religious, you know, a, a faith thing, but, like, I think cultural Judaism is, like, a, a much more resonant thing than, like, religious Judaism. I think culturally being Jewish is so different than being like, like, I don't know if there's anything as like such thing as like culturally Christian, because if you are, you know, a Christian culturally, you believe those things, right? Like there's things that you believe and you put them on other people. But like Judaism is very much like a cultural thing in a way that, that Christianity and I don't, I mean, like I could not speak for, um, you know, other religions, um, just because I haven't experienced them enough, but like Christianity, I feel like I have experienced enough that I can say this, um, that it's not, it's not like a cultural thing. Like you, you don't separate the, the cultural observance from the religious observance. Um, but I feel like Judaism, you do that a lot and it's, it's, it's very, uh, specific and, and, uh, I feel like the OC and Chris Bica and the Coens in general really capture that in a way that, uh, I haven't really experienced since then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I do think there's there's some something to be said about how in like the in, in our lifetimes the two, but also in the past like sixty years in general, Christianity has kind of become a cultural force that's basically removed from the actual like spiritual tenets of Christianity as it's defined in the actual texts of the religion. Um, but I think your point is so so good that I'm just going to leave that as it is for now. <laughs> Because I think I think you're you're right. All right, Kelsey. Now we touched on this briefly earlier, but I'd actually like to dig back into our discussion of what this show would be like today, in a little segment that we have on this show. That that's right, we all know it and love it. It's called Pitch Time. Pitch Time. Pitch Time. Kelsey. Yes. Okay, we've discussed it, mm-hmm. but now let's get into it. This the pre- 2021, the OC. Okay. I mean, Coming we're getting Netflix. we're getting reboots of everything else. We might as well get a reboot of the OC, right? Right. Why not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, like you know, I assume that Ryan is like maybe not Ryan, but someone either Ryan or Seth or maybe is Summer alive at the end of the show? Because I know Marissa dies. Some Summer is alive at the end of the show. Her and yeah. her and Seth get married at the end of That's the. That's great. Show. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the three of them probably probably Ryan because Adam Brody's doing a little bit better in terms of work and roles than than uh, Ben McKenzie is. Yeah. Uh, so Ryan's like back as like he's the Peter Gallagher now, right? Mm-hmm. And he's adopting a kid, quote unquote, adopting whatever you want to do uh, yeah. from the wrong side of the tracks in present day, uh, the OC, right? Ryan is adopting a kid. He lives in Newport Beach. He's an architect at the end of the show. Uh, he nice. goes. He goes to Berkeley um, at the end of the Ooh. show. Yeah, it's, it's fancy. Um, that them them adopting a kid from the wrong side of the tracks would make like a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> like they have they have Taylor is a little bit of a kookier character than um, than Kirsten, but I think it would work. Um, uh, the the season four Christmas episode is uh, it revolves around Ryan and Taylor, who is the new love interest for Ryan in season four um and she's like she's very fun but very weird and and uh you can tell in season four when you're watching it it's very much like oh it's just like it's gotten it's gotten out of hand now and they know that it's a little (laughs) bit weird and ridiculous but they're just gonna lean into it um but yeah so i assume like they're adopting a kid and uh you know we get you know i think ben mckenzie and uh autumn reeser these these they they do it because you know they need work and and might as well right and then we get like we get like cameos from like uh or you know guest spots from uh, adam brody and rachel bilson and peter gallagher i i I don't i don't know about the other two but i definitely feel like like adam would come back for like a guest spot oh yeah for sure for sure he's not he's not i mean he was in shazam but like only a little bit you know he was in yeah he's you know he's he's not doing so good he couldn't you know spare the time to stop by and i just get the sense from him that he would 
do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't, yeah, I get no, the I vibe think... from from Rachel Bills and then even Peter Gallagher that they might not want to do it. Maybe, yeah. I think I, I think know. Adam Brody would do it. I think you know, I I think they I think they have fun with it. But I think you know, I think they do. You do have to in 2021 touch on like the class part of this like you can't the, the, not the touch on is, the class and race yeah. part of this they they would touch on it which would be a good impulse right right but it would get it would get um they would go too far with it not too far as in like being too like open and like embracing of new again the new uh you know new characters new points of view new you know complexities of like you know racial and, and, and sexual dynamics in the world and all that sort of stuff power class etc uh they would just go like all in on making it like an issue of the week show Oh, probably, yeah. Yeah. Like, it would be sort of like the, you know, and again, it's, it's hard to talk about this without, without feeling like I'm sounding like an asshole, right? <laughs> but there's a certain sort of, like, corporate mandated diversity that you can see in TV shows and movies sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I I very much feel that, like, the new, whatever, like, the new version of Ryan, the new, like, kid from the other side of the tracks, mm-hmm. I think the people he encountered in his, his like, school would be, like, you know, like, it would be a list of, like, all the identities that they felt they needed to include to make the show palatable to an ostensibly progressive audience. The for- And again, this is kind of weird because the former proposing is fictional, that there's going to be a reboot of the OC. But we know <laughs> that if they rebooted it, they would do it this way, and they would make it... <laughs> they would want to address, like, real shit, but because it's, like, a fucking TV show and not a form where you can actually, like, get into the real issues of the world in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, or not in the way they would want to, right? Like, you can't... You can't actually address like police brutality or like or like gender dynamics in the span of like a one hour episode of a Netflix original, you know, the OC twenty twenty one or whatever. <laughs> but they would try to do it, yeah. And they would do it again enough to sort of check the boxes they need to check. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I usually pitch time isn't about me making up a thing to get mad at. <laughs> But I really, I just feel like this is what would happen, you know. I, I, I'm not. No, yeah, I do. I do feel like the OC 2021 would be very, like, about trying to like meet all of those things and less about telling the story. And like, I feel like you know, if you hire writers of 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 different differing backgrounds, you can tell that story, and it's still about the story. But they won't do that. They'll just hire Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, and and you know it'll be an all white writers room trying to write. Yeah. Or no, they'll, they'll not meet that white with like thirty percent like metric of like you know we need to have this many non white writers in the show, and then yeah. they'll like or they'll do the thing where this is kind of off topic, but there, you know, this to, to summarize it, there's that, that new Oscars uh, diversity requirements that are kicking in in like three or four years where, yeah. And, 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 and like in starting like 2024, or 2023 uh, films that are nominated for best picture or nominated. I don't, maybe it's just in general are going to have to meet a certain level of diversity in terms of production. Yeah. Which is like, sounds cool for a second, but the way it's, the rules are written, you could just like fill the offices of, you know, 20th century pictures, a subsidiary of Disney with like, people who fit those those like demographic requirements mm-hmm. and then the, the movie or the tv show or whatever can still be produced and written and directed by the same white people that always is right yeah and the problem the thing is that again i'm getting mad at thing that doesn't exist but it could exist right the thing you would actually want to do is tell a story about people living in california now with an original concept and story because but i think because we live in the 2021 media ecosystem everything has to be a remake that's great. I also think you could do a show that's just like the current, the regular, uh, regular, sorry, the original OC, but with a reflection of the actual population of California today. Mm-hmm. And they just sort of did wacky soap opera shit. Yeah. And didn't, and didn't think about it. The problem is that would lead you to places where you could be like open to criticism about like portrayals of different groups and, and people, right? Because if you just have a soap, some characters are going to come off badly. Mm-hmm. And if you want to make sure you're presenting a certain kind of image, you can't have every character come off as badly as every other character, if you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's okay for, like, a white person to be evil. It's not okay for a, a black person to be evil, even though there are evil people of all races and genders and, and creeds. And, and, Unless and, you know, they're uh, Giancarlo Esposito. He can be evil. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but in, in a very sort of, like, refined and reserved sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought the <laughs> pitch time is supposed to be a fun time for us. I don't us, know. Us I don't know how much of this pitch time is going to make it into the final edit, but 
You, you can right, cut out whatever you want. I, I I stand by it, but you know, again, I did work myself up over literally nothing. <laughs> so feel free to cut whatever my, you my want. My question. So my real pitch time question, uh, or <laughs> or additional pitch time question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is if you could pick like one uh place in the world that you would want an OC type show to to exist from like because we have gossip girl which is basically like the upper east side right but like is there like i kind of want like the park slope version of this <laughs> or like montreal. Do you want montreal montreal yeah fuck yeah right <laughs> that'd be so fun <laughs> and you, can, you can you can already feel the entirety of the show like laid out in front of you it's like the the, the vibe is so specific yes um you know, and it would be in English and French. <laughs> right? That's great. Yeah. And there would, you know, there would be drama over who doesn't speak French and who doesn't speak English. That would be like part of it. Yeah. You know, we'd have, you know, uh, oh, yeah, no. And it'd be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think like I, I, I don't know enough about like Montreal culture to like uh, really know what this that show would be like i feel oh, like i me neither. know enough about toronto culture that like this show could exist there um oh the the, the six yeah the six <laughs> honestly the fact that there isn't like a like a teen soap called the six like is is oh, kind man. of crazy Ugh. to be quite honest no i, I yeah, is that I just degrassi you, like <laughs> no, i feel like you've just you've just made that exist you've spoken that into existence <laughs> the teen soap called the six <laughs> i feel like that's the the way I imagine the special, six is basically special guest Drake. <laughs> yeah, the way I imagine the six to basically be that Netflix show uh, Grand Army. Yeah, but in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't seen that show or DeGrassi honestly. Me either. I assume <laughs> you know, it's like a mashup of those two, right? But you know what? I've barely seen the OC either. We're doing a whole podcast about it, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, I wish I knew someone who had watched DeGrassi, and we could watch. <laughs> we could talk about that because I feel like that'd be fun. I think yeah, I just I just think this this sort of like rich people like uh world is like primed for this like sort of primetime soap style. And you know, this this one takes place in Southern California, as does uh Veronica Mars. It's very similar um setup of uh, the, the the format's more of that like uh there's a lot more death in Veronica Mars because <laughs> it's more of a noir feeling yeah. uh, situation. But, like, I feel like, you know, Atlanta, New Orleans, come on. Like, there's... No, Miami. Miami. Yes. No, I just, I feel like, you know, we have so many shows that are set in California and New York, right? And I would like yeah. um, the primetime soap or just, you know, media in general <laughs> to expand their horizons, even if you're not going to film them there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I, you know, I love New York. I live in New York. Yeah. Every show and movie does not have to be about New York or, Cal- or God forbid, California. Right. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It the only place worse than, than New York. The only place worse than New York, California. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was seen very specifically in this show, but it's like I would feel even more seen if this took place in like the South somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I, I, I can't think of what a show like in this similar genre would be like that would make me feel seen in that way. Yeah. But, uh, it, it does not exist. It probably shouldn't exist, I'm being honest. <laughs> Just like, I, I, I feel like people like this sort of like inherent drama of rich people. Um, it's because, great. And, and because they're rich, you they can be as sympathetic or unsympathetic as you need them to be. Yeah. And it's it's just so interesting and, and great. And I don't know how to like, I, I feel like that's not something we're really like exploring a ton. I mean, maybe we are, but like in a way that is, is deeper and I don't actually want that depth <laughs> yeah again like as we as we talked about in the lost version of this episode the media landscape right now feels like it's non-existent almost um even though things are still coming out and have been all year basically but it feels like i don't know um yeah i guess i guess, I guess we haven't really cracked it but maybe we'll figure out how to how to reboot the oc some other time maybe some other time maybe some other time do you have any more Chris Mika thoughts to share? I mean, I just really do want Chris Mika to be the holiday sensation that's sweeping <laughs> the nation. You know, like I want to put a menorah on top of my Christmas tree. I want. I, 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 I feel like Chris Mika, as Seth presents in these episodes, is not fully like 
comprehensively explained to the point that it could actually catch on and like sweep the nation? It's not. I think if, you know, they'd had like two or three seasons more of Chrismica episodes, they probably could have gotten there. But I don't want there to be two to three seasons more of the OC. It, no. it was it was at a weird place at the end. So, <laughs> Well, I, I can almost promise you there will be more OC in our lifetimes. I don't know what form it'll take, honestly, but we will see more of it. Honestly, yes. I feel like there yeah. will be more at some point. They're bringing back goddamn Saved by the Bell. Like, like, what is Peter Gallagher doing right now? He's like comatose on Zoe's ex- <laughs> extraordinary playlist. Oh, that, that that's canceled, or was it canceled? I have no idea. <laughs> Just, I mean, yeah, like, make kind of... make new stuff, guys. There's all sorts of creators out there waiting to pitch you new shit. Uh, yeah, but have you thought about maybe an entire TV show about the background of uh, uh, Diego Luna's character from Rogue One? <laughs> A guy, a guy whose main characteristic is that he fucking dies. I mean, like, of all the characters in Row One, that is not the one I would have picked. Right? There are... I want basically the... Basically, any, w- any other characters would have been more compelling to follow. I want honestly. the the, uh, the Donnie Yen and the, uh, the those two. I want that, yeah, that show. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, any, like, honestly, any other... Like, like I like Diego Luna. Don't get me wrong. Oh, nothing like, against Diego as an actor. Absolutely but not. But that he's character great. is not the one I would have picked to, to expand upon. No, he's... <laughs> yeah, there's, there, people went nuts for almost every character except for him. Yeah. It's like they they picked the character who was, like, the least compelling. Come on, like, Matt's Mickelson. Come on. Give him the show. Yeah. <laughs> ben Mendelsohn. We love Ben Mendelsohn. He's already in the Disney Marvel, you know, stew. Just throw... Give him his own fucking thing. Who gives a shit? Who gives a <laughs> shit? No, I'm going to watch it. I think the... Uh, the Bayes, Malbus, and oh, what's the other guy's name? The the Donnie Yen character. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember his all. name, but, but th- the, those, those, those two had two, a great relationship. Those two had a great relationship, but I would love to know more about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just uh, the that's the other thing is like even if we're if we're gonna reboot and like expand these universes, like can you like get a hire a consultant to decide which characters <laughs> you are like <laughs> like can you take a like a Twitter poll at the very least? <laughs> yeah. And and also we need to we need to finally like Disney needs to like like just knuckle up and like step up to the plate and finance my original show Admiral Thrawn smokes weed. Listen, where where the the, the most beloved EU character Grand Admiral Thrawn of the Chiss Empire gets fucking blazed. Would watch. Would yeah, watch. come on, man. It'd be on, fucking he's like, he's great. Like, he he's blue. His eyes are already red, so he's probably already high all the time anyway. Oh man, that'd be great. <laughs> that I mean, in all seriousness, there should be at least one Star Wars show that's just people fucking hanging out and like getting high. And yeah, just, like that's having the thing adventures. is like I, the thing is like I think the thing that bothers me is that all the Star Wars and all the MCU universes have the same the the shows all have the same feeling, the same vibe. It's like if you're gonna expand that much, like like I want like the Seinfeld of the Star Wars universe, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I just want them like like. I want, like, the show where they just hang out in the cantina. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I hope that you enjoyed uh, watching the OC, even if it's fucking ridiculous. I did. Um, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to watch the, the fourth Christmas episode, because I, I do want to see what it's like. I'm curious at this point, because I've yeah. watched the first three. I think the fourth the fourth season is so weird because they definitely like just lean into how ridiculous it is and like Misha Barton's gone and they know that like the show is different because of that and yeah. they they don't really like try to make it the same which I appreciate and it's just like slightly kookier and very much like oh this is the- <laughs> this is the end of this show and we're just gonna do what we want um and the the fourth season Christmas episode is a it's a wonderful life pastiche. In mm-hmm. which uh, Ryan falls off a ladder and uh, is in a coma briefly, and in a world where uh, Sandy and Kirsten never adopted him. Um, yeah, I think this 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 show is just such a specific relic of a specific time, and it makes me feel really good about that time, even though that time in my life was like super shitty, <laughs> um, and that I was very clinically depressed, and um, like my dad was getting his second divorce, and uh, it was you know it was like a shitty time in my life, but like this show makes me feel really good about that time in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel a similar way when I think of um, for me it's like old Game Boy Color games. <laughs> 
because it's like even at times when you were like you know having a rough time a rough go of things uh the things that were like solace to you in that time retain their power mm-hmm. and they don't like at least for me like in most cases they don't remind you of the bad parts they just remind you of like the sort of like strength and, and resilience and like you know just plain joy you drew from those things should we sign off i guess we should yeah all right special thanks as always to danny about from the weeping willards for use of their song outside in the rain available for download on bandcamp special thanks to carly sussman who designed our logo you can find her work at carly-rose.com like review subscribe to our podcast and to our friend morgan's the misery loves company podcast do it uh, i me and morgan teamed up to write a mini series that came out a couple months ago of that podcast i think it's pretty good so i recommend it it's very good i also listen, highly recommend it listen to musical theater deathmatch listen to musical theater deathmatch i am a co-host with our uh repeat guest andrew favoloro <laughs> where we argue about musicals and which one is better um he's wrong most of the time <laughs> <laughs> And as always, health care is a human right, including mental health care, mm-hmm. and it should be available to everyone free at the point of access. Uh, and so if it is available to you, we recommend you strongly that you take advantage of that of that opportunity and go, go to, to therapy. therapy. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me Christian where you're just sort of like well I guess if you're on one end you sort of just like think a magic series of senses and you become Christian on the other end you have to go through like months of training and get confirmed by a guy in a big crazy hat Christianity is uh, crazy man it's crazy man there's there's, there's mm-hmm. I'm gonna say on this episode there's too many of them there's too many Christianities <laughs> too many Christianities it's too much too much fucking like Judaism I know is more